to talk to you this morning about a call. Your call. My call. There is a call on your life. First, a call to salvation. If that is answered, salvation accepted, God has a call on your life. As a Christian, he has something for you. Something only for you. Now, I don't know anything about your call, but I am aware of the call on my life. That's why I'm standing in front of you. If there was not a call, I promise you, I would not be standing in front of you. It was never my plan, ever. If you had known me when I was younger, you would, uh, you would maybe think the same thing. God put a call on my life. I could take you back a few years and south of here into Oklahoma. Some of you will be familiar with the Cimarron Turnpike as it uh, runs into I-35. Really, the story starts south of Dallas. I had been driving hot shots. I'd done that for a while. And uh, I climbed in the truck the night before, had driven to Dallas, dropped a load, and immediately headed back north. And I had made it to north of Oklahoma City to around the Cimarron, right at the Cimarron Turnpike. South of Dallas, I had felt God settle into the cab of my truck with me. And if you've ever felt that presence, it's pretty amazing. And I began to worship him through song. Um, I could testify, but I was the only one there. And I could worship him like none of you were there because you weren't. And so I could sing as loud as I wanted to, and nobody tried to stop me. These poor folks, when I forget to turn my pack off and I sing... Occasionally it's come through, the, but if they get it shut off, the people on stage will have to hear me, and it's a terrible thing, let me tell you. But in the cab of my truck, it was a joyful noise, and that's what God has called for us to do. And I had been worshiping him, praising the Lord, just thinking on the goodness of God, and he had just over and over worshiped over me. I had been praising him, tears, you name it, just had been an amazing time for about four or five hours since I said south of Dallas. Here I am now, 20 hours of drive time in, and at the Cimarron Turnpike, God so specifically laid it on my heart to turn the radio off, to spit out my sunflower seeds, to put my coffee down, and to just get quiet before him. And I don't know if you've ever felt something like that, but it was so strong. I, I, it was no doubt from God. I thought it odd. I'd been driving for 20 hours. The last thing I wanted to do right then was get completely still and quiet, unless I was at home in my bed. I leaned over the steering wheel of that truck and just thought, now what, God? Now what? And I drove in silence like this for about 30 seconds. And if you were to holler at me, you were to yell it at me, it wouldn't be any louder, even though it was not audible, than the voice that came through my, the cab of my truck right there. As the sun was setting, the voice came from right there. 
Twice in my life I've had God speak to me like that. And this was the first time. And the statement was three words. Feed my sheep. And I sat in stunned silence. I never had God speak to me like that. I had no idea what it meant. I recognized the words from the Bible. And I drove on home, just kind of stunned. For three weeks, I never said anything to anyone. I didn't know what to say. I was waiting for more. Finally, I talked to my wife about it. I mentioned it to my pastor. We sat down and talked about it. And really, the conclusion was this. We think we know what it means, but we're not sure. God will reveal. And I waited. But I began to study the verses and the scripture around that. And if you would, this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn to John, the 21st chapter, verses 15 and through 17. If you would, stand with me in honoring of the word read. Verse 15 says this. Jesus is talking to uh, Peter. And I'll have to tell you, that when I read the first line of these verses, I was hooked. Because it says, when they had finished breakfast. I like breakfast. I knew these verses had to be for me. It says, if you'll back up and look, that Jesus made fish. And I like fish. And it says he made bread as well. And I'm positive it was biscuits and gravy. Just from the book of Tony. Doesn't say that. I know it had to have been. But how incredible it is that I seen this when I began to study it. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, you should know that Jesus had nicknamed Simon Peter when he began to follow him. Here he is three and a half years later, very near it. He was Simon, the son of John, before he was Peter. He said, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time of worship, the way that you've met with this morning. You've led us in worship. God, we feel your presence here. We pray that your spirit would take this stammering tongue. Lord, that you would implant the words that are be spoken on the hearts, minds, and souls, that you would open them up, that people would hear what they're here to hear. God, that you would speak to each and every person in your way. We'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In that first verse there, the 15th verse, it says, do you love me more than these? Jesus wanted to know how much Peter, he had called Peter, and Peter had been following but he had a real and a true calling to send Peter on. And the first thing he needed to know, did he love him more than these? 
And I think the challenge for each and every one of us immediately is, do we love him more than these? Do you love him more than everything in your life? It's established that he's given you everything above nothing. Do you love him more than everything? Is he first in your life? In order for the true calling in your life to be given, in order for you to fulfill the thing that God has for you the most, he needs to know that you love him more than anything and everything. Do you love me more than these? Talking about everything. Is it more than your marriage? Do you love him more than your marriage? Do you love him more than your job? Do you love him more than your business? Your life savings? Mm, that'll get rough right quick. Do you love him more than that? What if he needed it, wanted it, took it? Do you love him more than that? It's what it cost Job. Do you love him more than everything? More than these? Our children, our family. How much do you love him? How much have you given to him? And Jesus needed to know this because the calling that he had on Peter's life, he was going to need everything. He's given you everything you have. Does he have everything? Are you willing to give it to him? I begin to realize with the call that I put on my life that I was so in love with God for the salvation that he had given me. Yes, all of the things in my life. But I begin to realize how much more he meant than those. He had supplied them. And so often, we can make idols out of the things God has given us and forget to love the giver. And that's what I had to learn, to love God. He had told me, feed my sheep. And as I studied and began to understand my calling, I understood that to this point, my calling was to work within the local church. I'm not against missions. In fact, I'm for them, all for them. I think it's great that our church outreaches. We should. But my calling was directly to the local church to this point. I don't know what God has for me going forward, but to this point, it's here. And I've done my best to answer that. And my question to you is, have you put yourself in a position to allow God to call you? Because he had to get me to a spot where he called. It only took him a little over 40 years to get me there. Don't let it take you that long. If you're already older than that and you don't have a calling, I don't know what that calling is, but seek it and begin to seek God. You don't have to seek the call. He'll bring that to you. But if you begin to seek God, to love God, to fall in love with him, he has something for you to do. He'll use you in ways you've never imagined. I knew that I had to be open. Are you open to being called? Are you willing to be called? It's easy to accept salvation. It may not always be easy to be a Christian. It's easy to accept the salvation and forgiveness. But are you willing to be called and sent into his service? Are you putting yourself in a place 
are you spending time alone, reading your Bible, praying? It's, you don't just go along while God did knock Saul, who became Paul, down and called him. That is not typically how God does it. He will call those that are willing to be called. Have you made yourself available to God? Because if we do, he will use you. I'll guarantee you he has work for you to do. It says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. God is looking for a few good men. I begin to fall in love with my Savior. I begin to worship the one who had saved me. And what begins to happen when we do that? We truly fall in love with Jesus, understanding that salvation. We begin to worship him because we love him. He will begin to communicate with you as he did with me in a deeper way. I will open the Bible and begin to read it and the verses and the chapters and the books that I had read before and understood were opened in whole new ways. And God began to reveal things and just to minister to me. You see, he wrote us a love letter. As I began to read that, he began to reveal and give understanding where I had none before. Oh, if we had talked about those verses or those chapters, I understood what they meant, but I had never really lived them. And God began to reveal them and to help me to live them in a whole new way. That making yourself available, falling in love with him, becomes deeper and more intimate than you've ever imagined. Are you willing to do whatever God calls you to? Or do you have your own idea about what your calling is going to look like? The first year or so, God really called me to pray. Begin to call me into prayer. Spend time with him. I'm guessing a lot like Paul, he had a lot he needed to teach me. Apparently thick-headed, stubborn. But God began to work. He still is. He's got a lot to do. If you spend a little time around me, you would realize that. Maybe not a lot of time. But God hasn't given up. He continues to work, even though there's a call on my life. I had never understood that. I had never really lived that until God put that call on my life. I went about a year after receiving that call, feed my sheep. I was concerned. I didn't want to get ahead of God. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I didn't feel an absolute assurance. About a year later, the church here had put together a, um, a revival, kind of a camp meeting. We were meeting over at the West Side Free Will Baptist Church uh, and, and we're having great services. And I just had this like heaviness come over me. It was weird. I, the services were good. I enjoyed them, but not completely. I just felt this heaviness, and I really know what it was, and I'm, I'm praying, and I was on my way to Winfield one morning, uh, uh, headed to work, and I leaned back, and I looked through the, uh, the sunroof of my car, and I just said, God, yes, whatever it is, yes, I don't care. I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what's going on, but yes, Lord, whatever. But God, would you reveal it to me? Would you show me something? Would you share it with me so that I understand and know what's going on? 
I went on to work. Worked through the morning and at lunch, I sat down to read my Bible there in my office. And something happened that lunch period that I'll never get over. I'll never get past. God doesn't revoke calls. And he had called me, and now he was ready to give me what he had for me. I hadn't, uh, I had read the book. We could have talked about it. I probably at least slightly intelligently could have talked about the book of Jeremiah. But I had never seen it the way God showed it to me that day. And I turned to the first chapter to begin to read Jeremiah. For whatever reason, God led me there that day. They made it through the first four verses as it introduces it. And from verse 4 through 10 in the first chapter, God revealed to me my call. I want to share it with you. Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 10. That day, sitting at my desk, I read, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, O Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. And I leaned back and began to cry and worship the Lord. I didn't read any farther. I knew I had read what God had for me. I didn't see it coming, but he had answered my cry. He had put a call on my life. And as I look over this crowd, I can help but wonder, what kind of a call does God have on your life? What kind of a call do you have on your life and you don't know what it is because you've never put yourself in the place to receive it? Maybe you've never given God the opportunity. Maybe you put stipulations on him. God doesn't deal well with stipulations. You see, he gave everything he had for you and he expects it in return. If you've accepted salvation... God will take care of you, and he has a call on your life. Have you put yourself? God answered me. God had a plan for me all along, and I had no idea. Maybe he would have revealed that plan to me as a teenager had I made myself available. But I never stopped to listen. I was convinced that God would never call me to do this. And had you known me, you would have thought the same thing. It doesn't matter who or what you appear to be. God has a call on your life. It doesn't matter in what age bracket you are. God has a call on your life. Have you answered that call? Are you working in that call? God's looking for a few fearless people to storm the gates of hell. But we're not going to storm it with weapons. 
our weapon is on our knees. You see, we serve an all-powerful God. We were just singing about it. He's in control. We sing about the victories that he gives, that the people of old would go out into the battlefields and see the body strewn, that God had given the victory. And that's what he's willing to do for us. And it'll be done on our knees. That's where we'll receive the call. That's where we'll be sent into a lost and dying world. You see, God is all-powerful. And the fact is, he doesn't need you or I to do his will. But he has chosen to use imperfect human beings to do godly work. That is a powerful thing that I don't think any of us truly grasp. If you are working in God's work, that is a godly call, and you have been empowered to do that. Don't take it lightly. It is an extremely powerful thing. God calls us into his work, and he empowers us, and he chooses to use you and I as imperfect as we are if we'll make ourselves available to him. He's looking for men and women that will surrender to him. They'll set aside their wants, desires, their ambitions. Because the closer we begin to get to God, he will take those wants, desires, ambitions, goals, and they'll begin to turn and become more like his. The closer we get to him, the more our goals and dreams become like his. They begin to align with him. The more time we spend with him, the more time he speaks into it, you begin to see the power of God move in your life and your goals and dreams will begin to align more with him. He's looking for men and women to surrender their will to his. He doesn't need your abilities. That thing that you are so good at and proud of, God doesn't need that. He may use it and he may not. I watched in the church one time a man who was really good. He was an accountant, and he wanted to be the treasurer of the church. He was never the treasurer of the church. That's what he wanted. He wanted that power. He wanted that control. I watched it happen. We have to surrender. God has things for you to do that you can never imagine. And it may be in something you're good at, and there's a good chance it's not. God will give what is needed. He promised me that day that he would put the words in my mouth that I needed because I knew that I wasn't capable. I was, he talks about don't be scared. I was scared to death to stand in front of people. But for God, I'd be running out the door now. But he's called me here. And I wonder, what has he called you to? What is not getting done in the work of God because we haven't answered that call? God has a call on our lives. He doesn't need your ability. What he needs is you. It reminds me of walking into the post office and seeing Uncle Sam pointing, saying, I need you. I want you. You join the army, and there's some of you who have been in the military. You forfeit a lot of rights. You forfeit a lot of things to get to wear that uniform. 
but you can walk proud with your head held high. Once you forfeit them and you've gone through the training, you've become a soldier. And the fact is that once you've surrendered, you've allowed God to develop you. You join the armed forces. You'll probably end up doing something that you didn't plan to do, that maybe it wasn't the best. And maybe you'll be able to do it. And maybe your abilities that you thought you had will be used. But then again, maybe other abilities you didn't know you had will be developed. And they'll be used to serve your country. And our God is no different. He has plans for each and every one of us. Have you made yourself available? Essentially, have you signed your name on the dotted line and given God control? Not just said, yes, Lord, I accept your salvation. I want to go to heaven. He has so much more for each and every one of us. And certainly answering that call is one of the most important things we'll ever do. It really is becoming more intimate, getting to know our God in an all-new way. But before that can ever happen, there is an original call that has to be answered. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to know that Jesus talked about it. Those that have answered the call are chosen. But Jesus talked about his wedding. You know, if you're going to get married, I've seen on Facebook uh, lately some people who've gotten engaged, a couple of different couples. I'll guarantee you, you can't talk to them but what they'll want to talk about the wedding coming up. I guarantee you. I know because we were in the same boat 33 years ago. Got it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. She's put up with me that long. But Jesus was talking about his wedding, the feast of his wedding. He described it. And it had to do with this call. And I want to share it with you in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. This is what Jesus had to say. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and they went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully, killed them. The king was angry. He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out to the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. That's important, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, 
bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be no weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. There's one call in your life that absolutely has to be answered. It will be answered one way or another. All are called and few answer are chosen. All are called. Every person on the face of the earth will answer that call, yes or no. You see, most ignore the call. Most walk away from the king, the offer of salvation, the offer to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb, to be a part of the bride. They've just, in general, got better things to do. There's a whole world of people with just better things to do. If you're one of the chosen, your job is to share the gospel with them. There is a call on your life. It is to share with each and every person. You don't even have to hunt for that one. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a part of his army. And he may have a special calling, but he has a call. The call is to arms. The call is to share the good news, to invite the world. Now, in general, you need to know they've got better things to do. Some of them are going to be upset about the fact that you've shared with them. It says that some were mistreated, some were persecuted, and they were even killed. And, you know, here in the United States, we think of, you know, being rejected as persecution. We've not experienced real persecution. Go around the world. There is real persecution around the world. There are people that are losing their lives around the world to share the gospel just because they believe in Jesus and they've spoke his name. But occasionally it does happen here in the United States. And I'm just wonder how each of us would react. It brings back to mind, most of us are an age to remember the Columbine shootings in Colorado. As the story goes, there was a young woman, a young lady who had shared her faith in the school, was hiding under a desk like most of the other young people. When one of the two men that were walking, young men were walking through the school, murdering people, pointed her out because apparently she had shared her faith, her love of Jesus, either with him or in his presence, and he knew about it. And he asked her how her God was going to save her as he pulled the trigger and killed her. She died for her faith. If that were to happen to you today, would you die for your faith? Would you stand strong? Probably won't happen. Today, maybe never, but it could. God has called us, and he said that we'll be persecuted. Some will be killed. But God has said this. He will judge those. He'll destroy their cities. He'll burn them. You understand, it's not for you and I to keep score on that. Oh, we have a justice system, and that needs to follow its course here in our country. I'm all for that. But personally, 
It's not our job to fight back on those things. And I have experienced that persecution. Probably I'd consider it on a small level, but dealt with threats of losing my income because of standing up for the name of Jesus. And here's what I've found. That if you keep your mouth shut and get on your knees and you can remind God that he promised He's all right with that. Remind him of his promises. But if you've been faithful, God, whatever it is and however it is, and it's your job and you gave it to me and if you want it, you can have it. And to watch him handle situations has been absolutely incredible. God is not slack in his promises. He absolutely is in control and he's looking for people that will give him his life. He has special things for you to do. And God does take care of his own. As we look on farther, we see that God hates a fake and a fraud. He noticed someone, a man, had made it into the hall there. Essentially, was sitting in the church looked like everybody else, acted like everybody else, but Jesus could see his garments. He could see his true garments. He knew who he really was. And you need to know, you may be that person. You may be sitting beside on either side or in front of or back of a complete fake and a fraud. We've had them here before. God tends to expose them. They expose themselves. But you need to know that if you are that, you don't have to be. This man rejected it. He liked being in the presence. He liked being around it. But he didn't put on the garment of salvation. He ignored it. He rejected it. And when the king seen him, cast him into utter darkness. Absolutely not to be tolerated. Notice that it was none of the... Jesus commanded his attendants to haul him out, but it wasn't the people around him that pointed him out to begin to show him. You need to know that God will not tolerate fakes and frauds. He will handle them. Not our place to do it. We don't have to. He is in control. and He'll reveal his perfect will. We are called to serve him. Are you going to answer the call? Have you answered the call? Are you answering the call? Are you seeking? Are you making yourself available to become one of the chosen? Those that have surrendered their lives to Him are the chosen. 